Hello and welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Wyma. Today I am with, um, actually, today I, sorry, I chose the wrong camera today. <laughs> That's just not good. I was in a rush today. I thought it was um, my name. but it, Yeah, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. I just chose the wrong camera. <laughs> I just noticed it right now. That's kind of bugging me. All right. Sorry, but today uh, I am with uh, Chatai Ulusoy. Is this how yes, you say that? Yes, you did it right. Yes, Chatai. Great. Yes. I know Chatai, but the last name, I think I needed more time to practice on. <laughs> uh, but anyways, he's a software engineer based out of uh, Finland, right? Yes, I live in Finland. I'm from Turkey, but I've been living in Finland for the last 11 years. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, what initially attracted, to, attracted me to connect with you is the um, your article, right? You did an article about uh, Flutter performance, and I thought it was super interesting. Um, sadly, I didn't get to read through all of it. It's in three parts. I got through half of the first part mm -hmm. and I thought it was very detailed and helped me to understand a lot more. And I love the fact that you also linked to some videos from the Flutter team to kind of give more explanation. So I thought everything's put together perfectly. Um, but why don't we Thank talk a little bit more about who you are, right? So mm -hmm. you're, you're Turkish, but you're living in Finland. What, what happened? Yes. Well, I'm from Turkey. I graduated from uh, university uh, and then I moved to Finland for my master's studies. And then I really loved Finland. And Finland is really like, you could see it's ranked first in many like uh, these welfare uh, <laughs> listings, the country. So um, I'm quite happy here. Like Finland, when you say Finland, uh, the first thing comes to my mind is balance, balance of work and life. So it is really important for me. I know that I can make maybe more money in States or in other countries, but I'm not sure if I could be this happy <laughs> because I'm in Finland. Uh, there's amazing nature here. I love running. I love being in the forest and uh, yeah, summer is good. Winter is difficult, but it makes you more productive. Actually, I started writing this series in December and published in March. So it's like a four months of work and um, it has a long story. Maybe we will come to that or I can explain now. It's up to you or I can first introduce myself more detailed. Yeah. Why don't we talk more about your detail? And I think we have a fan of yours in the audience. I don't know. He's asking if everything's a widget, which <laughs> Levent, L-E-V-E-N-T. L -E -V -E -N -T. Ah, okay. Yes. That, yeah. Is he a friend of yours? Yeah, actually, I'm quite also active in Flutter community. Um, I'm in the, uh, like this admin group of this Flutter Turkey. And uh, every week on Tuesday, we do Twitter spaces in Turkish. And uh, we have great friends, great community. And yeah, uh, it's great to be with uh, these amazing people of Flutter community. And uh, Twitter is also a good uh, medium for making friends. And also I shared this on Twitter. And actually with Levent, who just commented, in the, yesterday we made a Twitter spaces together and it was a run through for this podcast. Like, uh, just, um, <laughs> I, I just wanted to be more prepared because I really uh, value what you are doing here. It's really important. You, uh, like, the I have more articles than this one. I've been uh, giving speech writing articles, but podcasts are really important for my learning. And um, when I'm running in the forest in Finland, I, you try to listen to uh, podcasts and I learn from other people. I learn how to put the ideas into words. And, uh, I also know some of them from Twitter or also some of them, uh, personally, the people you are having. So, uh, learning from them, the way they put their ideas 
and their learnings into words are really useful. You think the podcast is so important? I don't know. I feel like, um, hmm. as I say, I feel like, uh, I guess it depends on what you like to listen to, right? Or what you like to do, right? So mm -hmm. uh, with when you're writing, when you're blogging, right? That's much more easy to be found because it's hard to search for voices in mm -hmm. audio, right? But if you're, when you're looking, I mean, you just Google search, right? You can find whatever you need. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm different because um, I'm, when I'm running, uh, I'm really like uh, enjoying the nature, but also I'm enjoying Flutter. And I'm like, some people listen to music. I listen to music while coding, while, uh, you know, uh, doing some other things. But when I'm running, I enjoy more, more podcasts and I have one hour to run and your show is exactly one hour. So it fits quite well. Yeah, yeah. I guess it depends on the guest. Sometimes longer. I think we had a two or three hour episode one time. I don't know if yeah, I think to that Dart one over one. three runs, maybe. Yes. The Dart one was a bit more. Should be Birth of Dart or Dart 101, yes. something like that. Yeah, yes. that was that was very long. But that was a good one. I, I, I think that was a good episode. And another one, very the one I really liked was with uh, Felix Bloch. Because Bloch is your favorite state management. So, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now I feel like you're a personal fan of mine that you remember that. <laughs> yeah, when you sent me this uh, invite, I was really like hyped and I was like, wow. <laughs> I don't know, because I've been listening to those episodes like, uh, and never imagined that you could be one of those uh, excellent people that talk uh, and I don't know. <laughs> it's a good feeling being recognized or like, yeah, I'm happy that you liked also the articles that I shared because um, I really like I spent quite a long time to put the words in the um, like a readable way, in the attractive way, because Flutter community does amazing job, not only Flutter developers. Uh, Flutter website is amazing source of knowledge, like there are many things that you can find put very nicely, but also we have great uh, people, talented people who produce content and then uh, learning from them and bringing the things that I learned from different resources into one was uh, a long work. <laughs> And um, I like, for example, Adam Barth, uh, who actually has the first commit to the Flutter project. Adam Barth has this talk with Tim Sinead on uh, this podcast named uh, .NET Rocks, something like that. So he was talking about the, like in the first days of uh, Flutter, when uh, Tim Sinead actually joined from Windows, uh, sorry, Microsoft to uh, Google. So they were both very excited about uh, explaining to uh, Flutter and then uh, they really talked about the basics that I used in my uh, articles in a way that the, the motivation behind of these articles were like um, if you want to convince your friend to use Flutter what, how would you do that? How would you prove Flutter is a good choice? And this was main motivation and then I was listening to Adam Bart and uh, this other uh, really amazing, uh, these content producers, really uh, useful uh, content, and it makes my job easier. You said Adam Bart, B-A-R-T? Yes. Is that how to find him? Yes, Adam Bart. You should have him in, but he's now actually not doing Flutter. He is now in the Fuchia project. And when I heard that he is now in this Fuchia project, I was very happy because he did amazing job with Flutter. And I'm sure he will do great job also he is doing great job probably also in uh, Fuchio project. Okay, I just did a Google search, but I couldn't find him. A-D-A-M, right? Adam and then Bart, A D A M. Yes, B-A-R-T. But if you type YouTube rendering pipeline, 
You will see the first person there, Adam Bart speaking. It was from early days of Flutter. Okay, I found it. It's Barth, B-A-R-T-H. Yes, exactly. So I, yes. I found him. Okay. I'm looking for Bart, B-A-R-T, but I found ah, him. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, actually, I just talked to somebody from Future Team for another podcast I'm doing last week, and they're talking about all the use of Rust that they've been using, which is quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do like the fact that you can use Flutter to make your apps, and then Fuchsia already supports Flutter on the box. So I'm not sure who got the idea to do that, but it's quite <laughs> interesting that whenever Fuchsia does come out for more devices that were basically ready to go, we could just kind of just port our app out. Yes, yes. And I don't know how to actually pronounce that Fuchsia, Fuchsia, Fuchsia. I don't know. <laughs> it should be called Fuchsia from what I've heard. Okay. Fuchsia, okay. Yes, I believe. Yes. It's like a color or flower or something. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I forgot to ask. As a Flutter developer, it is really, really exciting project for me. So let's see how it's going to evolve. But knowing that Adam Bart is behind it is a good feeling. Well, what do you find so exciting about Fuchsia, though, for a Flutter developer? Because uh, you can write applications for a operating system that works in many devices. Like, you know, uh, I don't know if you followed how Huawei does Harmony OS. It's almost similar, like, uh, you know, you have one uh, app that works in, uh, it's actually what Flutter does currently, but the operating system that works pretty well with uh, is the Fuchsia will be with Flutter. So that is the exciting part. For Harmony OS, I've always heard that like Harmony is basically just like a somewhat similar version of Android, but I haven't looked too much at it. Um, but in general, Huawei is a <laughs> similar version of Android, I worked at Huawei as a, a developer support engineer once, long ago. So it is very, very similar, like, like very similar <laughs> in general. Seems you have, a lot of, you have a lot of fans coming to the chat right now. It's quite interesting. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the, I don't know how you say this, Delara? D-I-L-A-R-A. Oh, my wife, <laughs> Oh, well, she, she's, she sent a red heart, so she doesn't know you should be using blue heart, I guess. Yeah, yeah, she's and a designer, then, not a developer. <laughs> but, she outed herself. Uh, <laughs> and then Eunice, U-N-U-S. Yeah, we yeah. work together. So with they Eunice. also said hello. He recently joined our Flutter team at Vault. It makes sense because he, he sent two blue hearts. So <laughs> yes. that means he must be Flutter. <laughs> yes. It's amazing to be in the community so that when you share your knowledge, there are people who are excited about it. I think when you share some of this deep down knowledge about the way the widget tree works, you'll find people who are interested, but it, it depends, right? Because not everybody's really interested in that. They're mostly interested, how can I build you know, a Flutter app? How can I do this one feature? I yes. think that's a huge amount of people, but I think the amount of people that really want to know how does the rendering tree work and how does the widget tree work and, yes. and element tree, it's very far and few, but the ones who do want to know that, and if you can explain it to them, Mm -hmm. They're going to love you for it, right? Because that's yes, something that's is. not easy to understand. Yeah. It, I had three articles. In the first one, I talked about the sublinear build phase, where I explained this mahogany staircase, three trees of Flutter. And then in the second one, I talked about layered architecture of Flutter. And in the last one, I talked about this rendering pipeline. And also, I mentioned how Flutter is compared to um, native Android development, because I have Android development background too and also uh, compared to React Native as well. So um, all in all, the main purpose was convincing people to use Flutter because <laughs> uh, we have an interesting story because um, at Vault, um, we have 30, 35 cross 
functional autonomous teams. And each team is like a mini startup and they have their own resources. So they know the problems that they are solving best. So they choose the platform and technology that they want to use. So uh, our team, for example, is using Flutter, but we have, for example, different teams using React Native and native development. We have uh, these progressive web apps, different technologies. Each team has different technology. And then uh, I'm trying to convince people internally that uh, Flutter is good. Try it. And they are listening. So let's see. When we have new projects, maybe we will have it with Flutter too. Yeah, I mean, I really have a hard reason, hard time to figure out why not to use Flutter, even if it's only for one platform. I just feel it's just such an awesome uh, thing. And the UI you can make is really, really beautiful and works great. Yes, uh, actually, it depends on the business because I don't know. Uh, you are in states, right? If I'm not wrong, are you? Where are you? <laughs> Which country are you? I'm from US. Uh, I'm from US, but I'm living in Hong Kong. Oh, okay. So, uh, have you you haven't heard Vault uh, probably before? Uh, what's it called? Uh, the company that I'm working in, Vault. W O L T. WLT, no, I don't think I have. Okay, it's probably mainly active in Europe in 23 countries, but mainly Europe. So what we are, like Volt is a um, technology company, but when we say Volt in these countries, people think it like a grocery delivery company, food delivery company, but it's a technology company. And each team at Volt are solving different problems. So solving problems of customers who are ordering uh, couriers, who are bringing food to the customers, and then... Uh, apps for merchants who are picking and packing. And for example, uh, Courier's team is using React Native for their app to solve that specific problem. And customer for this customer-facing app is a native app. And our app, which we use for picking and uh, packing the orders, helping these uh, merchants. So it's done with Flutter, just because our team decided to use Flutter. And uh, why uh, people are doing that? Because they know the business better. And uh, for example, this uh, food delivery and this delivery business is really like a hot business, you know, like there's so much competition and you should really, uh, you should really not <laughs> break things. And uh, if you already have working native app, then continue with that. But if you are starting a new project, then if it is B2B, then I think the best option is going with uh, cross-platform. And among cross-platform solutions, I think Flutter is the best. Uh, it's, it's interesting that you say that, actually, because uh, I do have a client who we don't, we don't do their mobile app. We did some of their APIs, and we helped them to do their, their website design. Uh, but they do run into a lot of issues with just with iOS and Swift UI. And he's mentioned, to, you know, one of the guys mentioned to me, hey, I wish we would have went with Flutter, but... It's just not something that we could do because there's Swift. Mm -hmm. I was say Swift UI just seems to be a big problem at the, at this time. It seems like it's still not ready yet. Yes, the thing is that Flutter and this declarative paradigm started much earlier than Swift UI and uh, Jetpack Compose started. So I think they are trying to be like Flutter in a declarative way. Maybe native developers don't like what I say now, but for example, let's talk about React Native. Um, React Native has this bridge, for example it's not directly talking to GPU. It's still using the operating system's uh, views, like UI libraries. But now uh, they just, I think, announced a stable version of this new architecture. 
So they will also directly talk to GPU uh, instead of uh, talking to uh, platform libraries. They will remove the bridge and they will directly talk with this uh, C++ uh, libraries in React Native. So they're also trying to be like Flutter. So I think this is proven to be the correct approach when building UI. Yeah, which is definitely interesting. Yeah, I feel like Flutter definitely has caused people to kind of take another look at doing this kind of methodology. Yeah. But uh, do you know how Jetpack Compose works in, as opposed to Flutter or, or no? Because I know you did with Actually, Android before. This was also something that I promised myself to look before, but uh, just before I quitted Android and started playing Flutter, Jetpack Compose was in pre-release. Pre so I was trying to do it Android Studio. My machine was dying because at that time it was all like this uh, compilation behind. Maybe from the audience they know. I just want to know about Jetpack Compose that is it using platform libraries? For example, is it using the button or is it also drawing like uh, like how Flutter is drawing pixel? What, in my articles, I also mentioned that Flutter has this pixel-driven architecture. So Flutter just draws pixels. It doesn't care about what platforms have what components, UI components. And this is also a big advantage because uh, the quality and stability of these UI components are independent of uh, platforms, underlying platforms. Let's talk about Android APIs, for example. Many devices, Android devices are lacking, uh, updating the latest version. And for example, at Vault, for example, we have our own design language. We don't really like take too much from uh, what is existed, what is uh, available in the underlying uh, platforms. Of course, we want to give this feeling, but we have our own design language, so we don't have to look like Material or this uh, Cupertino style. So what I mean is that uh, these UI components should look the same for both. I mean, I mean not look only, but behave. So the risk is also uh, less because the stability is not dependent on too many different operating system. Uh, sorry, uh, API level of the operating system. So you guys have your own bunch of widgets that you guys use to create your app. Is that what I heard? Yes. Uh, so all the we have so many mobile applications at Vault, and they all look the same. We have design language, and uh, the company is really trying hard to be uh, one of the best design uh, design companies in the world. So that's why we have our own. Uh, so we have a different repo where we keep our common UI components. And then in we have currently only one Flutter hub, uh, app. Hopefully we will have more. <laughs> and then when we have a different Flutter app, we will use the same, our own repository to get the components. Okay. Yeah, I understand that. Um, but it, actually, do you, do you mind to kind of talk a little bit about uh, your past, right? So mm -hmm. um, I want to hear more about like, so before that, were you always an, an Android developer or were you doing something before that? Okay, so I have a bachelor's degree in uh, telecommunications engineer, bachelor's and master's. I came to Finland because of Nokia, you know, Nokia is like legendary in 2010. It was dying at that time, but anyway, <laughs> I'm a telecommunications engineer. And then I realized when I was studying, I wanted to be really closer to the end users. I wanted to do mobile applications that touches to users. That's why I decided to more work on Bluetooth and then, um, uh, I did my master thesis on Bluetooth applications. Uh, one case, there was one case that uh, the uh, mobile phone unlocks the doors that are controlled with Bluetooth low energy. And then I started to work more on mobile applications. I found a job for the same topic, unlocking doors with mobile phone. And then um, I started to work in a sports company. 
I stayed there for four years. For the first two years, maybe a bit more, I did mobile application development uh, with Android. And then I joined uh, Wear OS team. Uh, we did uh, Wear OS applications. And uh, I really worked uh, closely with Google and Mapbox. I was responsible of uh, putting Map to iWatch. <laughs> I also have a, have a side project, uh, which, has, which is a watch face application. And uh, then um, at some point, I really love working, like uh, building something by myself. That's why I thought maybe I should do, I should learn iOS too, not only Android. And then maybe there is another way I can do cross-platform development for my ideas. Then uh, I found a job for, uh, I found a job with uh, Flutter. I had no idea about Flutter. I really wanted to learn. They gave me the job with good salary. <laughs> and then when I started the project, we started writing the uh, project from scratch for mobile and web. I had to do responsive design and it was a great way of learning. But, you know, working in a startup company is always difficult. So there were difficulties. And after uh, some time, I joined Vault, which is much more established company, but which was also another, uh, which was also another startup. <laughs> but now it's much more established and everything is working fine. So I first hired, I was first hired as an Android developer. But then uh, the uh, Flutter project became really important from business point. So then I decided uh, I joined this Flutter team and doing full-time Flutter. Full-time Flutter, okay. Are you, are you happy that you're doing this? I mean, do you think we made the right choice? Of course. <laughs> I mean, that the reason why I don't want to, like, uh, the reason why I'm trying to influence people in our company is that I want to do Flutter, and I really like working in this current company. I just don't want to come to that point that, okay, there is no Flutter or I am leaving. <laughs> so I believe in Flutter, and I hope uh, there will be more people believing in that, and we will keep doing it. But I don't need to do anything because it's already proven in our company that Flutter is stable and the correct choice for, for the business. Has there been any benefits that you guys created this app in Flutter? Was there any, was it like fast to market or... Uh, more responsive, less bugs? Has there any like outcomes that you guys can compare your work compared to the other pieces in the company? Yes, uh, let's compare with Native, for example. I think the most happy people in this case is the analytics team because when you have different native, native uh, teams, like there's this iOS code base and Android code base, and as an analytics, uh, you uh, analyze the uh, behavior, then you tell uh, two teams that what needs to be, uh, you know, gathered information from the user. So in this case, there are two different implementations and one might be wrong, <laughs> but when you have one code base, you correct, uh, you get the correct analytics data from one code base from iOS and Android. So one is uh, this. Another one is that uh, building actually uh, UI is quite fast. At Vault, uh, motion design and UX is really important. And I'm enjoying a lot doing these motion animations. Actually, I had a talk at Flutter Vikings conference and the talk was about adding motion to Flutter. So uh, our motion designers are challenging us and challenges accepted and thanks to Flutter, it is really easy to implement it and it's fun as well. I'm saying this because I did the same things with Android too. <laughs> I hated working with XML files. There's this uh, motion libraries that uh, with Android you still write with XML. You know, the difference in Flutter is that uh, in Android, you have Java and XML. If you're not using Jet Jetpack Compose, of course, uh, Kotlin or Java and XML. And then in uh, Flutter, 
your markup, you, your markup is only Dart. You write only code. You don't have anything else. You describe to the framework what you want to see on the screen with coding. <laughs> Nothing else is involved. And this is the best part, and it makes really easy and fast. And hot reload, of course. Hot reload is the best thing because there was time in the company I was doing Android and Flutter at the same time. It was really difficult to <laughs> not having hot reload and trying to develop after getting used to it. Yeah, there's still no kind of hot code reload for Android or iOS right now, do you know? Well, you need to uh, build it if you want to deploy, of course. Uh, you need to build the APK. And the building is, takes a lot of time. And in Flutter, hot reload is just like a state, you know, you update the state of the app. And this is something that uh, Adam Bart also, I really like how he described this. Because the way Flutter works is that as an application developer, your only responsibility is in the build phase. So by build, we mean that composing the widgets in a tree. And then thanks to this, Flutter framework takes care of all other dirty work, handling this uh, dirty management, dirty screen management, like updating elements, render objects. And thanks to this, Hot Reload works almost like a perfect because um, you still change the widgets, widget tree, and then you say Hot Reload. Again, the same thing happens, you know, like the same thing is run behind. So all the widgets tree is updated. So this kind of separation helps this uh, Hot Reload. Uh, well, maybe this brings us back to kind of the main uh, topic, right? Which is about the Flutter performance, right? Yes. Uh, do you mind if we can kind of go over your different your different articles that you wrote? So part mm -hmm. one was really talking about, if I understand correctly, it was talking about the, the trees, right? And how they work. And, and the sublinear. Do you mind to kind of describe the, mm -hmm. the sublinear? Yeah, well, let's talk about that, right? Do you mind to kind mm -hmm. of give a breakdown of the first part? Yes. So... Um, we, I, the title of these articles actually is Why Flutter is Fast, and it's about performance. And uh, to, to do things right in a performant way, we really need to understand how the framework works. Otherwise, we can compose widgets. They work somehow, but in the performance, because there are some widgets that are really expensive to use. And then you need to really think about like uh, performance and how can you make it performant. And then there is one specific method in Flutter framework, which is also stated in the documentation that it is the, uh, like the fundamental thing in the Flutter, which is update child of an element. So understanding when is element reused, when is element is removed and a new one is created, or uh, when is the build phase is stopped is the main thing. If you understand that part, then you have a good understanding. But if I ask you, Flutter is a UI toolkit, right? When I ask about like, uh, what is performance, describe, can you describe the performance of a UI toolkit? How would you uh, describe it? Like what would be, for example, the metric? I don't even know how to answer that, that kind of question. I don't know how mm -hmm. to answer that kind of question. What is the platform of a, of a UI framework? I don't even know how to answer that kind of question. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. But I would say that, for example, for me, the performance, if, the, uh, if Flutter is performant, because people are asking me, how is Flutter performant compared to native? I'm saying like, uh, check this FPS, frame per second, because it is all about drawing frames on the screen in the end, right? And in the early days of you know, development, mobile development, it was all focused about, uh, you know, uh, draw it as fast as possible so that human eye doesn't notice it. Otherwise, it is janky. 
So the first thing is that how fast can you do all the rendering of one frame so that you can have 60 frames per second or 120 frames per second, depending on the GPU or device performance. But nowadays, devices are really strong. So the focus, I mean, we can get this even like uh, without really taking care of too much details about this reusing the widgets or somehow. But also there is another things to consider nowadays because we already have these powerful devices. For example, the resources that device is using. So is the device using too many resources when drawing? Because we are, when, you, we are, when we have the Flutter app, it's not only drawing UI, we have network requests, we have background tasks. So how much uh, resources is your app using in the device? Another thing to consider is that uh, the animations, because in animations, you update the screen in milliseconds level. So it needs to be fast when you are drawing frame. For example, React Native is having this kind of difficulties when uh, scrolling and then uh, with these uh, animations. Uh, but Flutter, uh, it needs to be fast when drawing a frame. Another thing is that how much is the CPU working when doing these uh, computations, like layout co uh, computation, because layout, uh, calculating layout is a computation and painting is a computation. And how many times is the uh, tree, the widget tree or render tree is traversed when you are when the uh, framework is computing the layout. For example, in Android native development, the layout, uh, when, you, when it is doing the uh, layout phase, it is traversing two times the widget tree, but Flutter does it one pass. Layout is done one pass and build is done in one pass. And this is the main advantage of Flutter. And in my articles, I started with widget element and render object because people are focused on widget and everything is widget. We say that because Flutter framework encourages us not to use render objects. You can do everything with uh, Flutter, uh, with Flutter widgets. So even if you think that you really need to use render object, think about again, because we have uh, some widgets in the widgets library, like single child uh, widget and multi-child layout widget or flow widget, which help you to do some uh, add code in this layout and paint phases of the rendering pipeline. pipeline. But let's go back to uh, these three trees again. I, as I mentioned in my articles, Flutter has more than three trees. Uh, widget tree, element tree, and render tree that every developer, I believe, should need should know. Of course, there are different trees as well. For example, focus tree is a tree, like there's the semantics tree, and then there is this layer tree, which is submitted to the Flutter engine. But the most important thing is widget tree, element tree, and render tree. Since as application developer, our uh, responsibility is composing widgets, we really need to know uh, widget tree, and then there is this element tree. Widgets are just configurations. It's empty, like uh, it's just like a JSON you describe. It doesn't know its parents, doesn't know its descendants. It doesn't know the location in the widget tree, but elements know it. And render objects know how to do layout, how to do positioning, how to do paint and hit testing, accessibility. All the information is there. What you see in the sc uh, screen, you might think that it's widget, but it is not widget, widget is, is just like an empty JSON file. Like you sent the JSON file through like backend communication and things are done in your, you know, uh, locally. But anyway, let's continue. The second thing is element. Because many uh, Flutter developers think that 
they don't know element, they are not using element. And I, I highlighted this in my article that they are using element because build context is element. And I also added that um, there are some packages that are not really uh, trying to uh, get rid of context because it's always like when you work with context, you can make a, a mis a mistakes or exceptions. So I think context is really important to know because it's the only way that you know the size of the widget. It's the only way of getting the location of the widget in the widget tree. For example, we have a scaffold of context, navigator of context. What it does, it finds the first ancestor of navigator, first ancestor of scaffold. Another thing, uh, change notifier provider or block provider, we find the first block and first provider of the widget using context of the widget, element of the widget, because only element knows the position in the tree. So I, I feel like element is like a Google Maps. When you are in a town, you don't know anything, you are a widget. And then you have your Google Maps, which element, which tells you what is around you. It's important. And then there is render object, which is responsible of uh, this kind of compu computations, like uh, where to put your widgets. <laughs> you provide the children, list of children, but you tell them somehow with the widget description. But in the end, the last thing is set by render object. You really believe that you placed it correctly in the widget tree, but render object puts it somewhere else because uh, there are these rules. And then you may want to customize these rules. Then you may think first, okay, I will write my own render object. I don't like this widget and its own render object. I will write my own. You can do this, but it's always risky because it is uh, a bit low level and you might make mistakes. You might have performance issues. Flutter widgets library has some kind of widgets uh, single child layout, multi child layout, flow widget. This can help you to do things that render objects do using widgets and their delegates. Yeah, this was the main uh, thing. Another thing in that article was I wanted to show that build, how is, how is this build uh, done? So it's single pass, the most important thing, and it happens from top to down. It's the most important thing to know. Layout phase and build phase. They are done from top to down. And then uh, the parent elements check their children to add, remove, remove, or update a new element for that frame. And Flutter framework does an amazing job of abstracting it in a way that it tries to reuse as much as possible so that we can build a new uh, widget tree, sorry, from that widget tree for that frame, we can update or reuse existing element and render objects as much as possible because widget is not expensive. You can create widgets in every build, but creating elements and render objects which do the heavy job, it's expensive. And the way to avoid that is understanding how this framework works. This was the first article. Yeah, the part that was always, yeah, the, the part that was kind of a little bit confusing to me is like how because every time that your app runs through and it creates those configuration widgets, as you call it, mm -hmm. uh, I'm always kind of curious about how does it like relate back and forth? Like, because like if you, I mean, obviously if you change the key, that's a new widget, then that probably may need a new render object, right? Or sorry, it may need a new, it may, it may need a new like uh, element. Yes. And in my first article, I really highlighted the importance of using the const widgets 
constants and then uh, catching the widgets if needed. Because in many times, devices are strong enough, uh, capable enough of drawing the frames fast, but there are some widgets that Flutter doesn't do a great job to draw. For example, backdrop or some, some jobs that require more painting stuff. Then you may need to do some performance work. Then you can catch that widget so that widget is not created because when a widget is created, it's inflated and element is created. So, uh, but again, we are providing another set of widgets. If the runtime type and the key is the same, the element is updated. But there is one thing that you can do. You can catch or use constant widget, which is created in uh, compile time, the constant ones. So, so that uh, Flutter framework first checks if they, have, if they are the same instance. Because if they are the same instance, there is no need to update the element because updating the element causes a build. First, we can do that. We can use the same widget, same instance. We can catch it or use constant widgets. If we can't do this, this is very possible because we are many times providing size depending on the screen, screen size, or we are many times localizing strings. It is not defined in compile time. So then we can update the widget. But for example, if you provide a different key or if the widget runtime type is different for that location in the tree, then we are not reusing the element. We are not reusing the render object. We need to create new ones, which is not good in terms of performance. And this is actually the main idea, entire idea, reuse as much as possible because framework wants you to do that. Well, there's always, when you have one widget, does that mean there's always going to be one element uh, inside yes. the element tree that goes every one widget, to one match? Okay. Yes. There is this widget tree and then there is element tree. For every widget, there is a corresponding element, but not render object. It's not the same for render object. For example, uh, stateless. Yeah. That was, that was going to... That's exactly yeah. what I was going to ask you next. Was, I don't think there's yeah. the same thing for that because it would make sense to have a render object for like a provider widget or inherited widget, right? Where you're just holding on to state. Yes, yes. Because these stateless objects, state full objects, they are actually extending component element. And there's also this render element, render object element. So the component element, what it does, it does, we have, when we have this stateless widget, uh, we provide a subtree, right? the responsibility of this component elements is having these subtree, which has their own uh, render objects, render tree, you know, subtree. Okay. Inherited widget, for example, doesn't have render object neither. Yeah, so not every widget will have a render object, but every widget will always have an element tree. Yes. Or sorry, an element, an element. Because, call that, just an element? element tree, yes. Because without an element, widget doesn't know where it is in the tree. And actually, again, let's repeat, element is build context because many developers don't know what element is, how they use it. It is provided by you to the framework, through the framework when you build. Yeah, also it's in the state. Yeah, I think that's the most surprising part. I think a lot of people don't know that. I kind of either forgot that, like it sounds kind of familiar, but I was definitely surprised when I watched the video uh, that you linked to it. And I was like, oh, yes. interesting. Yeah, Andre, he has amazing videos, like short, but really to the point. And in the three, three of those articles, I have many videos from him. Yeah, he's, he's, his videos are great. His videos are fantastic. Yes. yes, in the first one, there's another thing is that uh, polluting. You know, I really want to mention polluting because uh, dirty, uh, dirty region management is really important and it is not an easy task for Flutter, for example. Like uh, there are some uh, 
widgets that that is that are hard to cal uh, calculate this dirty region. For example, backdrop filter and like uh, opacity. So uh, so we what we are doing is that. I just want to read one thing from the documentation I really like. It's also in the references of this first article. Dirty region, a portion of an app where widgets and components are different in one frame as compared to the pre previous frames that have been displayed. So if you want to update a portion of the screen, we, we pollute it and it's called dirty widget. And there are limited number of ways that you can make a widget dirty. One of them is known like a set state, which is like very famous. And for example, when you do hot reload, you also pollute the app. And another thing is that when you do this state management with this uh, inherited, did change dependencies. So uh, Mark needs build. This is the main thing, like dirty making. If you want to update a UI, pollute the subtree, and then it will be updated. And I mentioned the places where you can do it and how you can do it. This is the story of the first article. Oh, one more thing about the first article, which I really think it's important, state object, because state and stateful widget. We just, I just want to mention that uh, state is permanently associated with an element. So we have widget, widget has an element. If the widget is stateful widget, widget also has a state object, which element has reference to, because element has reference to widget, Element has reference to uh, state, if it is stateful widget, and also to the render object. So element is kind of an information hub. Yeah. Okay, this is the story of the first article. And the second one is really interesting, <laughs> in my opinion. Okay, yeah, let's go on to the second article. Okay, then. let's go on to the second one. In the second one, I talked about the layered architecture. Because uh, in Flutter, you can actually customize in every uh, part of the <laughs> this architecture. We have widget tree. We have element tree and render tree. You can reuse widget trees and then add your own implementation of render tree, for example, how you handle the rendering. Or like it's, the parts are really uh, inter interchangeable and uh, replaceable. So the first part, uh, the second part starts with the difference of React Native and uh, Flutter and native development. I just want to highlight that Flutter is pixel driven from Top to the down, like everything is uh, in the control of uh, Flutter because framework, because it is shipped with Skia in the engine, which is very like, a, uh, it's proven to work. It has, uh, Chrome uses it, Mozilla uses it. There are really like a different play platforms uses Skia. It's responsible of 2D rendering, 2D render rendering. And also interesting thing is that there's this text library, you draw text fonts, for example, it's also uh, reused from Android operating system. So the thing is that when you are using Flutter, you are not really dependent on how this 2D uh, is drawn, how fonts are drawn, because Flutter APKs are shipped with these things. So for example, another in interesting thing is that uh, Flutter uses Android operating, sorry, uh, AOSP, Android Open Source Projects uh, text library, and it's shipped to iOS. So if you have a Flutter app in iOS, you're actually uh, showing the fonts in a way that is done in Android. It's interesting. But if you are doing native development or React native development, you are using the system libraries that are 
talking to C++, using C++, talking to lower layers and drawing things. But Flutter is responsible of drawing alone, thanks to the engine and this layered architecture. But one thing I would like to also highlight is that React Native is also changing because in this second article, there is this bridge that is uh, you know, translating uh, your JavaScript to the platform libraries, and then platform libraries talk to GPU. But now, uh, in 2018, React Native changed the architecture. After four years, it is stable. Now, uh, the JavaScript directly talks to uh, C++ libraries using JSE. You know, Android, when you do native development, you have JNI, Java Native Interface. And then there's the JavaScript interface, which with React Native. Uh, it took four years to get it stable. Maybe it, too, it will take another four years to get it in the package and to the community everywhere to get used. So, uh, yeah, the good thing is that Flutter eliminates one level of abstraction. This was the first point with the architecture. And in the rest of the article, I talked about, we talked this um, Windows support, iOS support, web support, and, uh, you know, how it is done, actually. I, write, I wanted to highlight this embedder layer. Because uh, Flutter, when there is new uh, version, or, or Flutter SDK comes with this, its own embedders. Like, and we have Android uh, folder, iOS folder. If you support Windows, Linux, or Mac OS, you come, Android SDK comes with these uh, embedders. But for example, we have different uh, embedders, the different operating systems, such as embedded Linux, such as uh, Tizen, Tizen from Samsung. I don't know how it is read, <laughs> or uh, you know, Toyota is doing that, for example. It's a, um, if you want to uh, support a different platform, you can easily reuse the widgets layer, framework layer, and the engine layer, and add your own embedder, which is responsible of uh, communication with the underlying operating system. And lastly, I highlighted why web is different than other platforms. Yeah, this gives the overall uh, architecture. And maybe you could talk about that because we do have a we do have a question in the audience. I don't know if you can answer this one, which is: Is there any work going on for improving performance in the context of Flutter Web? Maybe okay. this is a good way to kind of answer the question about why is Flutter Web not so performant compared to the more native experiences. Mm -hmm. So um, I have another article uh, series about uh, building a single page scrollable website with Navigator Two API. So in there, I uh, have open source demo project as well with web, Flutter web. So I had a chance to work with Flutter web and investigated it. So uh, we know that Dart is actually started as a project. You know, you had also uh, told, uh, guessed about that. It's for J Java JavaScript. The easiest thing that can be done with Dart is that compiling it to JavaScript. But uh, web is different because, um, you know, you have mobile applications in phone or Windows, or sorry, yeah, in Mac, they can communicate with the operating system. But web application is sandboxed in web browser. So, for example, that's why you can't use .io in a web project. That's why we have K is web. Because .io communicates with the uh, operating system, the library, and web, Flutter web doesn't have access to that, cannot do that. So it's sandboxed application in web. And uh, Flutter team focuses on improving the performance on uh, application from application point. 
So it is suggested to do Flutter web applications for Flutter web, use Flutter web for single page applications, porting your mobile application to web experience. And uh, yeah, so uh, this is actually the main thing. It is not really made for static content. Another thing is that uh, it's uh, Flutter web's uh, nature. Uh, as I said, like uh, it cannot uh, communicate with the operating system, but Flutter uh, engine layer is written with C++ to communicate with the operating system, right? But Flutter web cannot do that. So that's why it is the re-implementation of this engine layer done with C++, uh, for example, for Sikia, for writing fonts, but it's using standard browser APIs instead. So it's a different approach. And uh, if you check the 2022 roadmap of Flutter for web, it mainly uh, talks about the performance improvements. It doesn't talk about the, for example, SEO support, SEO support, metadata support. So when you have a website, you want to add this meta support and this uh, search engine optimization. Currently, Flutter doesn't support these things because they're only focusing on, uh, they're only focusing on improving the performance for uh, websites that are actually an application. And it's constant work, it's going on. And I'm, we are not doing web at my current job. So I have only my mm, limited time to work with web. This is what I learned. So maybe you will have better guests that can say more about these things. Yeah, we've only had one guest, but she was more on the PM side. I don't think uh, it's Hassani, I think is her name. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So she couldn't give too much information about that. But yeah, I would love to talk about how the web part works because it's the most different, right? It's very different compared to the native. Mm -hmm. um, yes. So, and actually, I'm kind of curious to see if um, with the way the browser is going, I mean, the browser is basically almost like a sandbox OS nearly, right? Because you can have a USB, you can have Bluetooth, you can have so mm -hmm. many different things. It's, and now you can actually run applications straight with WebAssembly. So I don't know if this makes uh, Flutter Web more possible, like where you can basically take, I mean, I know C++ can compile to WebAssembly, so maybe it is possible that we can rewrite the engine so that it does get compiled into there or something. I don't know. I, I'm kind of curious to see what's what's the, uh, what's the going on and what they're looking yeah. at. I never had web development experience other than this interest on this article. So I'm also interested. I hope one day I will have this experience that I have a project that also works on web. But as I said, I had a short time in a startup. We had web support. It, it did the job. I don't know, like it's not that bad. It still does the job. We had so many, so big lists that you could scroll. I mean, depends on like you, of course, if you rely on web, if you want a good web experience, do it with React or Vue.js. But if you want to reuse the code, if you want to support, of course, there is these like uh, good things and bad things. And in our project, it was okay because it was a B2B application. <laughs> but for projects like in our company, current company Vault, we really like uh, obsessive with user experience, customer user experience, and then the smooth animations and everything. So then I wouldn't, I would be a bit hesitant to use Flutter Web, porting Flutter Web, porting, yeah, our website to Flutter Web. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of people out there who think that maybe this Flutter Web was a little bit pushed too quickly because of the performance problems. But, but I mean, the one thing that still blows mm -hmm. my mind is how can you not have, 
I understand that it's difficult, but how can you say this is production ready without the hot code upgrade or hot code uh, ability, right? It's like, mm-hmm. that's one of the key pillars of Flutter, right? I don't call it Flutter without the hot code up, uh, upgrade. Yeah, and another thing is that actually, like as Dart started to replace JavaScript, and it is really easy to do Dart to JS, compile the Dart code to JavaScript. Another thing I really wonder, for example, now in, in a side project that I'm working on, I use cloud functions for Firebase. It is still with JavaScript. I know that Dart can easily be compiled to that. Why it is not there? But that was another uh, Q&A uh, hump day from this Flutter community that was a guest saying that they are working on it. And I think this year, it will be the year for more like a Dart and Dart servers, actually. Uh, yeah, full, full stack Dart. I, I'm expecting a better support in that. Yeah, that would be interesting if you can write your cloud functions in, in Dart. I, and like I'm sure said, it's I coming soon. Why not? Yes. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, because you can compile, it can uh, transpile to JavaScript, so why not? But and I understand also, I don't the see team. why they cannot just support it out of the box. I understand the team, right? actually, Flutter team, because you are doing cross-platform and you are trying to make everyone happy. First, you need to make mobile developers happy because they are dominating the market. And then you do the web developers happy. And then you do Windows developers happy before the Linux developers happy. Of course, there are geeks that please bring <laughs> more support, but there are more Windows developers. There is more demand. And we have a, they have a team at Flutter. So they, they try to solve many different problems. And if you go not that far, if you go one year before or two years or something, the metal support for iOS just came I mean, for, for uh, you know, drawing uh, just recently in 2.17 something, sorry, 1, 1.7, even before 2.0, like um, they are trying to solve so many different problems. And focusing is, I mean, they have many resources, maybe, maybe not, because Google is a big company, right? But it's not about only resources, it's about focus. Focus is the most important thing. And in our company at work, Focus that we really so say a lot because we can do many things, but we want to do things exceptionally good. Then you need to focus. Um, focus losing focus in different areas just to support web for, for example, static websites. Then you lose focus. Maybe you lose f- supporting mobile, right? Because the core Flutter developers are doing mobile development. Yeah, I have a feeling that they're trying to push this stuff more in enterprise. That's what I have a feeling about because Chris sells you, if I remember correctly, he was doing a lot of the enterprise support and talking to a lot of companies and trying to push that through. And mm-hmm. I think you need to have that, right? Because if people aren't hiring for Flutter, then the people who are actually going to be using Flutter is going to be very low, right? Yeah, actually, and, I think yeah, the best case using Flutter for startups if you have a startup company, start with Flutter. That's what I would say. And yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And then Flutter Web, if you, if, your app, uh, if you need a web app, use Flutter. You don't need to hire uh, web developers because you don't have resources. Yeah. And also with uh, ServerPod, have you seen that recently? Ah, that's the one I missed because my uh, headphone that, sorry, uh, speed... Um, yeah, headphone that I was using while running is broken, so I missed that one. It's the recent one, right? The last one, I think, or two one before. Uh, well, the, a new one just came out today, ah, so okay. it should be two episodes ago, I think. I, I can't remember now, but 
server mm-hmm. pod is interesting because that's a full on like full stack solution for flutter and backend and everything with dart so mm-hmm. that will be also interesting right that is a mm-hmm. bigger uh, thing and he's currently working uh, part time at a company and they're heavily invested into flutter and server pod so i think that yeah there's if you have the companies using this stuff then that will kind of start the process of you know making the egg for the chicken to hatch and then yes. so on and so forth is that going to happen tomorrow that's why i'm excited about fusia when we have more devices that uh, run with uh, you know fusia you can write apps with flutter that will be uh, actually maybe much easier for you know uh, spending resources on it because people are using it <laughs> but i mean yeah, thinking sure. about that flutter has done quite amazing job in such a short time they i think in the popularity lists i think they uh, they are better than react native from popularity point it wasn't like that i think one year ago or something yeah i mean there's always this idea that you know google may cut it or kill it but it doesn't seem like that at all but i understand I think, the, the mm-hmm. worry i think google made an exceptional job to make developer happy with uh, flutter you know i would like to say that why flutter I, I came from Android development. I loved Kotlin. It was expressive. Then I came to Dart. It was missing when I started doing Flutter. It was missing no safety. It was it is still missing sealed classes, data classes, unions. But I still love Dart. The main reason is that it's under control of Google. For Android and Kotlin, Kotlin is with, developed with JetBrains and Android is Google. So they are different companies. But Google owns Dart. Google owns uh, Flutter. Whenever there is a new Flutter update, if you check the Medium articles, they always talk about Dart update. So it is helping developers to be happy because they are not dependent on other entities to make developers happy. And actually, Flutter community is doing also exceptional job, and the developer relations also accept doing exceptional job. In my opinion, my only cons- my only concern mm-hmm. about this is like I wish that Flutter, sorry, I wish that Dart can be more of a language by itself. Mm-hmm. Dart is a good language, as you said, and it can be used in many different places. I mean, that the proof of that is just Flutter itself. It's used in so many different platforms, and so and with ServerPod, I mean, why can't it be used on a, as a web framework? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but the thing is now Dart. It comes out like you said. It comes out the same when there's a new when there's a new uh, build of Flutter stable. Well, there's a new Dart stable that gets released, and mm-hmm. I'm a little bit annoyed about that. Just not because like you know I I like new stuff, but I wish that they were more separate. Right. Mm-hmm. That was that's my one concern. I I don't really like, but I understand that it's like well. 99% of people are using Flutter for Dart, and so we should just put them together. Okay, I understand that, but I wish they could start to kind of push it and show things because the PDF library, I think, is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And that's a Dart-only thing. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of really other cool Dart-only stuff that we could be using. But I think it will happen. I've, I mean, at least from the other podcasts and shows or resources that I follow, um, it, it is going to happen. I'm already surprised how fast they touched so many different areas. And actually, this is also with the help of uh, community. For example, we have so many Navigator 2 solutions. We have so many state management solutions. It's coming from community. When I was doing Android, 
the Jetpack libraries all the time were updated. Like uh, you are trying to do something for, you know, uh, MVP, uh, model view presenter or model view, view model. And then there is another Jetpack co- uh, library comes, okay, do this time, this way. So uh, it is, it's hard to all the time update the co- uh, code base uh, to get the latest, but with Flutter community, it is not rely, uh, dependent on only what uh, Flutter team suggests you. There are so many options available and you can pick anything you want. And yeah, you, I think this brings more uh, flexibility, in my opinion. Yeah, okay. Um, for uh, for your, your part two, is there anything else that we missed? Nothing else. Have we for gone part through other pieces? Okay. Yeah, I know Skia is a huge thing. And Skia yeah. was just bought by Google a few years ago, right? So No, I'm doubt. I think no? it was 2011 or 10 something. Uh, I think it was 2005. Okay. It was, uh, I can quickly check Wikipedia. Yeah, because it was made by some startup, right? And then Google mm-hmm. thought it was cool and then bought it. And then I think from there, it was like oh. quiet about what they were doing with it. Actually, Google acquired in 2005. Yes, it okay, was. Okay, so a real long time ago. Yes, and it is really available. It is used by many different platforms. Google Chrome, Chrome OS, Chromium, yeah. Mozilla Firefox, Thunderbird, Android, Firefox OS, LibreOffice, Flutter. <laughs> yeah. So uh, also, as I said, like these are the already proven to work. So Flutter just took it. Yeah, are they, is it still open source so anybody can still use it, right? Or, or... Yeah, yeah, it's open source, yes. As far as I know, okay, it should be. Okay, yeah, because I took ownership of it. I don't know if that means that they, you know, put some caveats about when you use this, what you can use it for. Yeah, yeah, but um, Chrome, Chrome, for example, uh, uses it. And actually, uh, Edinburgh comes from a Chrome team, if I'm not wrong. Actually, he has this rendering in web. He has this background. That's why Flutter more, looks more like, uh, you know, there is this padding, there is this margin and everything in this style. It's it it re- resembles the web development somehow when you are defining UI. Yeah, well, I do remember that Eric was on the the Chrome team. Right? I think we talked about this mm-hmm. in the Dart mm-hmm. One Hundred and One or the Dart uh, the Birth of Dart podcast episode. Yeah. So that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now for part three, what was part three about? I didn't, yes. This, this is the, about the rendering pipeline. Yes, rendering pipeline is really important, and it is nothing specific to Flutter. Uh, it's about drawing a frame. Every platform there, they have their own processes for drawing a frame. And uh, it's a sequence of steps. Starts with build phase, continues with layout, and then painting. Then the layer tree is uh, created, and then it's submitted to the engine. And finally, the instructions are sent to the operating system. So this is the summary of it. But uh, there are more details that one should know if they want to efficiently build special components. <laughs> because as I said, building Flutter app is really easy, or modding Flutter is really easy, but uh, doing cool stuff in a performant way requires knowledge about how layout is uh, uh, computed, how painting is done. For example, uh, the reason actually, the main reason why I was obsessed with this, because I was trying to solve a problem that our motion designer asked us. We 
uh, at Vault apps in different uh, courier apps, native apps, uh, customer apps, we have scrollable bottom sheets and they are multi-page. Solving a multi-page scrollable bottom sheet is a really difficult problem. I don't know, do you use Strava? Strava has... Yeah. Scra you use Strava, right? I've, I, well, I downloaded Strava because one of my clients, we actually work with it for him. So okay. I've actually, yeah, I, sometimes I open up the app because I have to work with the OAuth and stuff like mm. that. So I'm familiar with the app. Yes. So they have this bottom sheet when you, they have in this bottom sheet, the size changes like, it's like using bottom sheet with Strava is really difficult. If you go to roots tab or if you open a bottom sheet, it is very difficult to, uh, it's not comfortable as a user, I would say. It doesn't provide a good user experience because when the bottom sheet page content changes, the size should uh, the, the size change should feel like it is very natural. So what I was trying to do, I was trying to add this pagination. So it is when you go to the next page, it the page goes from right to left, and if the other page is longer than the uh, previous page, then the bigger page gets smaller, the smaller page gets bigger, but all the time their size is equal so that it is very smooth. So knowing, I mean, being able to do this really requires understanding of how layout is compute, compute, uh, computed and how painting is done. Because the layout phase, it's only geometry. It just does mathematics calculations. It, cal uh, it tells about the size. But then after the paint phase, you can see what is there. And then, uh, yeah, those challenge, the, the biggest challenge for me was this size transition, keeping it at the same level. The problem is that uh, you can't know the size in the build phase. Like you can tell this widget will be this height, but in the end it's flooded the size, the render objects decides in the layout phase uh, what size it will be. So, uh, getting the size of the larger widget so that you will set the size of the smaller widget. So it is really like, a, it was a really difficult problem. I, uh, I open sourced this scrollable bottom sheet solution in my uh, GitHub. Uh, actually, the, my article was supposed to be this multi-page scrollable bottom sheet. And this three series, series was supposed to be one part of that article series. Then it became three series and separate series. So the next article that I already have written two of them is about multi-page button sheet. So in the end, if you want to uh, uh, build special components, understand how the layout works, understand at what stage you know the size, at what stage you can do transformations, for example, scale, or you know, uh, translation in Y, or uh, translation in different a transformation in different uh, axes. So uh, those things uh, are really needed. <laughs> but to, to summarize the rendering pipeline. So it starts with the build phase. In the build phase, our uh, responsibility as developers provide the widget tree, uh, compose a widget tree. And then uh, after the build phase, uh, I mean by build that all the elements are updated, and then after the build phase ended, uh, the dirty widgets are not dirty anymore. Then uh, the layout phase starts. And in that phase, we know the size of the uh, widgets. So what happens is that 
it again the layout uh, phase is one pass it starts from top to down and parent sends that okay these are your constraints give me your size so the uh, and then the widget gives the size and then for the next child it says okay these are your constraints give me your size and it goes like that so after that we have the paint and then uh, in that paint we have this painters so it's also like a really detailed topic there is this repaint uh, topic which i personally really don't know in detail but i don't i didn't need to know but at some point maybe i will need to know but what paint does in the end that it just makes it visible and then after the paint phase uh, there is the semantics which is not really that important in that but of course it's important for accessibility reasons but uh, yeah it's important. Sorry, I take it back. <laughs> and then after that, uh, there is uh, it. After that, there is this layer tree. So we talked about widget tree, element tree, and render object tree, right? And then there is this layer tree, which developers don't need to know because it's very low level. It is produced as a result of this rendering pipeline. It is submitted to the engine, and then in the engine, composition and rasterizing happens, and then GPU instructions is set. The reason why I wanted to talk about this rendering pipeline because at the end of the third article, there is this full example wrap up. So how does build uh, phase works and how each single child element is updated and then how is layout calculated. Yeah, just full picture of the story of a frame <laughs> because it needs to be done in the 15 milliseconds to provide 16, to provide 60 pro, uh, 60 fps frame per second so it needs to be fast if it is not fast then you need to revise what is going on at what step you had a problem because people say that okay ios app doesn't work well i mean flutter is not fast maybe you did something wrong because we had a problem really in our long long list it was very difficult to scroll then i run, ran the app in profiler have you ever run the app in profiler mode we have debug release and profiler mode right Yes, I have. Yes. In the, when you run the app in the profiler mode, mode you can see this uh, graph in your app, in the device. Like It just tells you how long does it take to draw a frame. If it takes longer than uh, 15, I always forget how many milliseconds does that make when it's 60 FPS. But anyway, if it takes more than uh, this fixed 60 FPS limitation, then it gets red. So I realized that we were using one component which was doing custom painting and then I removed it from there and then it was again very smooth. The scrolling was really smooth. Yeah, so understanding rendering pipeline helps you to figure out what causing uh, this uh, latency. Okay, if I did my math correctly, it should be about 16 <laughs> or 17 milliseconds. Yes, I know. <laughs> okay, yeah, I just did... One divided by 60 times a thousand will give me an idea. <laughs> okay. And the reason why React Native, why React Native is suffering, why React Native changed the, uh, this approach, uh, because it was taking so long time to send the JSON and it's asynchronous. You send the JSON, you tell this uh, configuration to in JavaScript thread, and then the native site communicates you back. So this bridge is causing latency 
to run you smooth scrolling, smooth animation. Since Flutter is doing an amazing job on talking to from uh, you know uh, widgets library to the very bottom uh, of in this layer uh, in this rendering pipeline, like it directly talks to a GPU, the latency is low. And that's why React Native is also trying to eliminate the bridge and directly talk to uh, GPU through GSA. GSI. Uh, okay, I see. Okay, yeah, I mean, I think your, your article is super clear and uh, I like that you give more like, you know, watch this video or here's a link to the docs that you can read and get more information. So Actually, there is really like the articles there. I really suggest my articles is just the tip of this. <laughs> And these articles, uh, the references in those articles, I strongly suggest to read them, watch them. They are amazing. Uh, and this is how I learned it. Because another thing, what I, why I love Flutter, because reading the source code is super easy with Flutter. You can follow what is going on. The source code of Flutter is not uh, per targeting the Flutter developers only, the, the internal Flutter team. It is tar targeting everyone. So everyone can read and understand what is going on. I learned how this uh, build owner in this uh, rendering pipeline and then pipeline owner takes care of these steps of rendering. Uh, yeah, just reading from the uh, uh, source code. And then these videos, of course, helped me to understand more. And I tried to understand yeah. the same thing with Android, actually, because in the third article, I compared the layout mechanism between the layout phase between native Android and Flutter. It was so difficult for me to find a good re uh, resource in Android. So in Flutter community, we are lucky that we have so many great content. I think we're lucky that we have such good documentation, really. Exactly, exactly. Not only that, also Flutter community. Yeah. I also would like to add one more thing uh, about this Flutter thing, because there are sometimes companies are hesitant about switching to Flutter just because they think they cannot find Flutter developers, right? But we opened a position and in one week we had to close it because there were so many applications that we really don't have time to go through them. It wouldn't be fair. We didn't hire, but we had so many uh, candidates. I think number of Flutter developers are really increasing and uh, it is definitely not a problem. Yeah, I, I, th I think so too. I think uh, the fact that Flutter is so easily accessible and easily understandable, at least at a very high level, which is the widgetry itself, is both a blessing and a curse. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I think you understand why, right? Because not just about the amount of candidates, but the, the quality of candidates. I mean, when the pool is bigger, Yes. The amount of people who are not that uh, maybe as good as you really would like to have. Yes. Right. And having a native background also helps. Today, I just fixed a problem just because I have an Android background. Yeah, I definitely would say because, so. I think yeah. uh, I'm also lucky that I did an iOS and an Android app because it does help me to understand like what I'm doing. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes yes. it does. And actually, I find it very useful for fixing bugs in people's plugins, actually. I find yeah. a lot of really weird bugs in people's plugins because yeah. maybe they're not up to speed in native development. But I really don't want to look like a gatekeeper as well. It is definitely not a must, but it is good to have, to have this Android background. I think no matter what, you're going to have to get into some at least because mm -hmm. it's hard to do uh, some more advanced things without writing some native code because Flutter can't do everything. 
you know, mm-hmm. Flutter is limited by the ability of the packages, right? So yes. if there's no packages, you have to make it. But there are sometimes, because I'm active in this uh, Flutter Turkey community, I have, I answer so many questions as I have time. So there are so many questions sometimes coming from beginners. Should I first start with Android or native iOS and then jump to Flutter? It's not that like that. Like you learn things when you need it. So it doesn't make sense to understand everything about Android spending years just to do Flutter. Yeah, I totally agree on that one. It, it doesn't make sense to, to do that. You're just kind of giving yourself more headache, I think, because there's a lot of stuff in Android that will just mess you up. Like, I think I heard like the list view in Android is very complicated to the way the Recycler Flutter does view it. is the nightmare. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I have, yeah, I've been so there. That, they may just turn you off to, to mobile development in general if you went that route, right? Mm-hmm. And working with XML files, I don't like it at all after doing uh, declarative. Because as an Android developer, I was super happy because I was writing in XML, I was seeing in preview, because I didn't know there was another possibility. Then I started doing Flutter. I was like, what have I been doing? <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's why Jetpack Compose came. Yeah, I think that people are catching on to what makes Flutter so good and so popular. Yeah, and, and so... also we, I mean, Flutter mm-hmm. is proven to work well. And uh, now React Native is trying to say, have the same approach. Android, iOS is trying to have same approach with Jetpack Compose, Swift UI. So if I was a developer, why would I try to learn something that is trying to be look like Flutter, which is not stable enough? So I would go with Flutter. And this is my uh, yep. pitch at the company when I'm talking with the different teams. So are you the guy in the office that people kind of stay away from because you just keep talking about Flutter all the time? Yeah, I'm known as a Flutter guy. I remember once we were in a party, uh, like this Christmas party, I approached to the Flutter uh, React Native team lead just for fun. Like I was just going to say hi. No, she was like, no, we are not going to Flutter. <laughs> we are staying with React Native. <laughs> but of course, I understand because we have different teams and every team are the one that knows the business very well. They are the ones closer to the team, uh, to the customer. So they know the problem. If they think that React Native is the solution, then that's a very good to go. But if there is a possibility mm-hmm. to think again, maybe. You'll, you'll be there, right? Yes, yes. And uh, I mean, if there is a solution that is already working well, re- I mean, sometimes because Vault is a really big company and we, have, we are active in 23 companies, uh, countries and we have uh, these native apps have really high scores in stores. So why would you change something that already works? just to have it in Flutter. I mean, we have enough resources to do native development. It's very well done. So it is fixing the problem. So, but if we start something new, then I could jump in and I could show my articles that, okay, this is why Flutter is fast. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on, yeah, on your company and, and what you guys value. I mean, it depends because, I mean, if you do have two different teams building the same app, just for different platforms, you may get some. You may get the apps that actually function quite differently, right? Which could then cost you some money in the uh, support area. And so let's say, but let's also say that okay, you got you got ten guys who do who do iOS. You got ten guys who do Android. But then if you put them together, you can have twenty people to do both apps, right? You can get more stuff done, right? That's another way mm-hmm. to also look at it too. Yes, exactly, exactly. But as I said, if you have work if you have something that works and also this food delivery and grocery delivery 
uh, in general, this logistic platform is very hot, competitive. So there is no uh, luxury of taking a risk in this, in this case, like if it is facing the customer. In B2B, you can be more relaxed because you can tell to your uh, uh, partners, business partners that, okay, update to this version, it fixes this. But for customers, if they are ordering and if they see a bug, okay, I'm switching to other one because I have many options. So it's about taking risks. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Some things are not worth the risk, especially like you said, yeah. if it's very competitive, it's better not to, if it's working, don't, don't fix it, right? <laughs> yes. Great. Yeah, uh, thank you for taking the time to talk about your articles. And uh, for sure, I'll be making some time to go through them and actually uh, really get into them. Uh, so I definitely appreciate your your articles. We may have you back on to talk about more of your articles because you have more articles and more things you're working on, right? Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, first of all, for inviting me. As I said, I'm fun <laughs> of your show. So I was super hyped when I got the invite. And then uh, about my other articles, my first main article was uh, switching between dark team and uh, light team using provider. But that was just the beginning of my writing. I think I had better job in this explaining Navigator 2. So my big first hit was uh, Navigator 2, which already has 20,000 reads on Medium. So uh, I talk about how Navigator 2, I mean, uh, without any package, works uh, on mobile and web, because Navigator 2 is very complex topics to explain. And at that time, when Navigator 2 was introduced, there was no uh, resource that could be like that was good enough to do that so i just spent really long time on understanding the source code and issues on github to understand how uh, it works because i personally believe that navigator 2 is very underrated and hated i don't understand that it is so beautiful library it gives it api it gives you amazing opportunities full control if you find it uh, very difficult use go router rootmaster there are so many beautiful libraries on top of that. So I think uh, understanding Navigator 2 is also very important. And the other article series on, after that was that building a single page scrollable website in the first five uh, article parts. In the, first, in the first one, I talk about using List with Builder, lazily building for a single page scrollable website. In the second one, I use Page View. In the third one, I use single page scrollable uh, plus uh, column so that items are not loaded lazily. And in the last one, I use a scroll, another library that does index-based scrolling. So that article series focuses on scrolling plus navigation. And then this is the third one, uh, fourth one. And the next uh, article series that I will be working on, I'm already working on now, is about multi-page scrollable bottom sheet whose source code is also available on my GitHub. And thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. This was my first podcast talk. How do you feel you did? I think it went very natural. I was, to be honest, I was a bit exhausted, uh, uh, nervous because, you know, you know, when you're driving a car or riding a bicycle, have you ever had this feeling like, okay, if I turn, if I take this wheel right, I will die. <laughs> like you're in podcast, if you say some, because there will be so many listeners, un unfortunately now we're in the age of like, if you say something wrong, then you might be canceled <laughs> or, uh, you know, 
because I am now talking about my company, if I say something wrong about my country, company, it's also another risk. So I just uh, wanted to be prepared for this. So yeah, and it was very natural. And thank you very much for being such a great host. Uh, well, thank you for your time. I know it's you know not easy to always find time. What time is it for you over there? Actually, it's great time. Uh, three or three, it's almost four o'clock now. Oh, I can't believe we, we did one and a half hour. Yeah, time goes by when you're having fun, right? So hopefully you're <laughs> not going to be in trouble at work. So yeah, I can talk about Flutter really long time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm I'm sure your wife is is also very happy to hear about this all the time. <laughs> no, you talk with her about it too, or no? <laughs> Well, uh, my wife is doing designs for my side projects. She's also a freelancer designer. So <laughs> uh, I'm trying to find balance. It is really not easy. But Finland, that's why I live in Finland. Finland is about balance. Uh, I just came from a long Italy trip. And, then, and now I'm now uh, working on a startup project with my friend. So I'm providing technology for his startup. It's unofficial now, but maybe after some time it will be official as well. So it will be like site uh, support. But anyway, we are building a, a negotiation skills education, AI-powered negotiation skills education. So the project is that I am writing, it's, I just started from scratch, and it is totally Flutter plus Firebase. Maybe at one point, if okay. it gets success, I will be another <laughs> guest. I will be guest for your under top if it gets successful. Yeah, just feel free to ping me about your new article series and how the company's going, and we, we may bring it back on. I've already had a couple of people come back, uh, so it's totally fine. I'm always looking for people to come on and to talk about what's going on because I want to keep everybody in the community kind of updated when they when they go out running, as I always hear, as everybody says when they go running, they listen to me. So that's it's good to hear that you know my voice is there when you're running. <laughs> that's why I feel like a podcast is also underrated. Like... I know I find it extremely useful. And if I wrote this article series, it's just because of those podcasts that I listened, not only yours, I listened different ones because I just try to find whatever I find because producing podcasts is also lots of work. So I'm totally amazed that you are publishing weekly. <laughs> but yeah, so for example, the one, the podcast that I shared in my articles, there is a reference. It is from Adam Bart and Tim Sinise from the first days of article dotnet rocks the name of the podcast channel so please listen to that one adam bartz explains really like how flutter is uh, built from scratch and if you can get adam bart to your uh channel i would be super super excited about it think about it uh I may be able to get him on because if he's working in Fuchsia, I know somebody there and I'm planning to ask them. Yes. And you can also watch his this talk about rendering pipeline on YouTube. It's 54 minutes. It's also a great talk. Yeah, I think I started watching that one a few months ago and haven't mm -hmm. finished it. But I do remember that it was like constraints down and then actual sizes going up. That's yes. how it's a one through pass. So it's I remember the this. Constraints go down, sizes go up. Parent sets the last last word, something like that. There is a great article also. It's also referenced about how this constraints rule because under, understanding the constraints rule in Flutter is also very important. And there is an amazing article which is also available in Flutter website. 
because there was one person who wrote this article and Flutter team really liked it and they took the article to the Flutter website as it is. Uh, which, what's the article about again? Uh, yes, uh, Marcelo Glassberg, Flutter, the advanced layout rule even beginners must know. Hey, maybe you can get him as well in your talk. <laughs> I'm just having a wish list for you. Yeah, please. If you have people that you think we should, should bring on, let us know. And especially if okay. you know which topic, then we can definitely approach them and ask them to come on. This article I just mentioned, the advanced layout rule, even beginners must know. It is the best one. And it is the, he is the, actually the person behind this motto. Constraints go down, sizes go up, positions are set by parents. Okay, Marcelo Glassberg. Yes. Okay, we'll definitely try to reach out to him and see if he's okay. uh, available. I'm so happy that now we know each other. I can send you my wish list on messages. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm always open. So for anybody in the audience, if you think you should come on or you know somebody who should come on, let me know. I've ever approached some people. They said no uh, from suggestions, but nearly everybody has replied and said yes that I've actually approached. There's not a lot, surprisingly. Mm. So uh, especially if you know this person, it's even easier, right? Because you have the connection. Okay. So right now, I don't really know this know these people, so but I'll definitely have a try. Yeah, but I would say also in Finland we have amazing developers as well. I will also send their names to you. Please go ahead. Okay. I'm more than happy to chat with them. Even 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 the uh, native devs, right? If they I, mm -hmm. I brought in some people. I think you've heard the episode right with React Native and stuff, where we brought in some people who don't do Flutter, and I like mm -hmm. to hear about what they have to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, again, thank you for your time and thank you. Uh, looking forward to your list. Thank you. See you. Have a nice day.